G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We tend to imagine that God's plans and purposes revolve around us when all along they're all about His glory. Now that may sound a little bit one-sided until you realise that glory is a two-sided transaction. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called Your Best is Yet to Come. And it turns out that your best, the good things that God has planned for you, have everything to do with glory. So let's dive into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to Jesus and live in the victory that He died and rose again to give you. It is unreal to be with you again today. Can I tell you something before we start? It is such an honour for me to be able to share this time with you. It's an incredible thing to get into God's Word and to see how when you and I do that, it changes our lives. It's a real blessing for me. My life gets changed along the way because you can't help it. You spend time in God's Word And you know, somehow we grow. I don't know how it is for you, but I need changing. I need growing. And when I stand back and look at it, I could never have believed that God could take the broken down old wreck that I was and do anything useful with me. We get a lot of letters. The programs now go to over 80 countries and we get so many letters and emails and responses on the website telling us how these programs are making a difference in people's lives. I had this email from a woman called Catherine recently. This is what she said. I've been listening to your program on my local radio station for quite a while now. I'm usually on my way to normal Sunday worship service, so you accompany me on my drive. It amazes me, but it shouldn't really because there's nothing that our God can't do. How often your program is just what I need to hear. This hasn't happened just once, but many, many times, and I thank God for you and your ministry. I find your way of presenting the gospel very gentle. It's encouraging and uplifting, and it soothes my spirit. It gives me hope. It feeds my soul. Now, why am I telling you this stuff? To make myself look good? No, not that at all. In fact, exactly the opposite. I'm telling you this because it is so utterly amazing that only God could be in this. Before I came to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour 11 years ago, I can confidently tell you that no one would ever have used adjectives like gentle, encouraging and uplifting in the same sentence as my name. I tremble at what God has done and continues to do in me through his word. Very gentle, she writes. Unbelievable. When we get his spirit into us, when we get his word into us, Even though we go through incredible trials, even though we go through difficulties along the way, God does things in us and changes us. And that's, I guess, the point of today's program. 
Today's program is the last in a series of four that I've called Your Best is Yet to Come. Over those last three programs, we've been tracking along with Moses. Moses was a burnt-out old wreck at the back of the desert. Moses had murdered an Egyptian when he was a young man, and he'd fled way, way out to the back of the desert, and he was tending sheep, and God shows up and says, Moses, I have a plan for you. Moses, your best is yet to come. And he kind of drags Moses kicking and screaming into the leadership role that he had been preparing him for out in the back of the desert. And Moses says, look, God, it couldn't possibly be me. I mean, what, what have I got? And God says to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, well, it's my shepherd's staff. And God does some miracles with that. He turns into a snake. He then lets Moses do a whole bunch of miracles, including parting the Red Sea through this simple wooden staff. And it's always the way that God has already put something in our hands, something that only we have, something that only we are gifted to do. And so often God just comes along and says, I have a plan for your life. Your best is yet to come. and I'm going to use just who you are, exactly what I've made you, exactly the things that I've already given you to bless other people. And last week we, we looked at the trials and the tests that always seem to come. And it's a funny thing, you know, God does something powerful in our life. In, in my case, he called me to him. And if you could have known me before I became a Christian, you would have said the last person on planet Earth that would ever become a Christ follower is Bernie Diamond. And so it was this enormous miracle that God would even call me to be a follower, let alone use me the way he's using me today. But I, like everyone else, have had to travel through some real trials and, and real tribulations in life. And you look at that and you think, hang on, God's done this great miracle in me. And I'm sure you can look back at things that God's done in your life and you think, wow, you know, God was in that place on that day and he did this amazing thing. But then we go into this trial, we go into this difficult space, we go into this place where it's hard. And you think, these are mixed signals. But along the way, you think these are mixed signals. Why does God do both of these things? Why does he do great things in my life? And then he takes me through these great trials. But along with the trials come the victories. Along the way, God is gracious. He gives us big victories and small victories. And for me, the most satisfying victories in my life are when I've been in those dark places, those incredibly tight spots, and I struggle and I, and I struggle and I thrash around and I worry and... And at the last minute, Jesus shows up and he takes me out of that tight spot. And deep in my heart, I experience his glory. And at the same time, I can see how he's taken some of the struggle and the thrashing and the worrying out of me. God's glory is an amazing thing. What is glory? The first time the glory appears in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4. It's a passage that we looked at last week on the program. God has just brought the Israelites out of Egypt after sending the plagues on Egypt, and God is giving some instructions to Moses about how they should flee the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihiroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Glory is a funny word. Glory is about 
honour. But there's so much more in it than just honour. If you think about sport, your team wins the grand final, or it wins the cup, or it wins the pennant, or, or your country's swimmer takes the gold at the Olympics. And there's glory for whoever won that sporting event. But there's also incredible joy and adulation for us when we see our team or our swimmer win. See, glory is a two-sided transaction. And it's because of the nature of God. God sets us free, and we have a free will to accept him or to reject him. But for those who accept him, we get to experience his glory. See, glory doesn't mean a lot unless it's two-sided. Yes, God is glorious. God is wonderful. But he created us to see and experience for ourselves his glory. And for me, the greatest glory is when God changes me And he gives me those victories in life. And in my heart, I can taste his glory. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, when you're between a rock and a hard place, when you're in that place where unless God shows up, you're in trouble, well, it's not a lot of fun, is it? And in that place, we have a choice to make. We can either go into a mad panic, flapping around like a chicken with its head cut off, or we can step forward boldly and depend on the fact that God is going to show up. Which will it be? We're going to pick up today where we left off last week in the last program. Moses is this burnt-out old wreck. God puts a staff in his hand and says, Moses, that's what I've given you. Go and use it. God, through Moses and Aaron, sends all these plagues on Egypt, and God sets Israel free. But he hardens Pharaoh's heart, and he puts Israel in this impossible situation, this situation where they're hemmed in between the Red Sea and Egypt's army, and there seems to be no way out. It seems certain death and certain destruction. Well, how did Israel respond to that? Let's have a look at it. If you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 10. This is what it says. As Pharaoh approached them, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out here in the desert? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and to die there than in the desert. 
Moses answers the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So here we are, all these miracles. They're out in the desert. We're at the first point of adversity and risk and fear. How do they react? Just like you and me. How many times do you see people who have problems in their marriage and they want to tear that marriage apart because it doesn't suit them anymore? How many times do we see trials and conflict at work or or at the traffic lights or in the supermarket and all we can think about is how it affects me? So we lash out at the very people who might help us. But as we saw at the beginning of the program, God had a purpose. And his purpose was that his glory would be seen. God wanted his people to know him, to see his glory. And of course, that's exactly what happened. But God needed also to deal with his people who railed against what he was trying to do in their lives. Let's see how it turns out. Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 21. After Moses had spoken to him, he stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the waters on the dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels fall off their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. There are so many layers of what God was doing here. God was taking them back to the promised land, the land that he had promised to Abraham. He had a heart for his people. He heard their cries from their impression in slavery in Egypt. He grabbed Moses out of the desert. He dragged him to Pharaoh, and he said, Let my people go. After all those miracles, he takes them deliberately through this trial. God caused Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. God takes them through this trial because he knew their hearts. He knew he needed to bring their grumbling and their unbelief to the surface and deal with that. And then he showed them his glory. Many times later, throughout the Old Testament, we see God saying to his people, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to the promised land. This is who I am. And he's saying the same thing to us now. In our trials, in our temptations, in our hurts, in our fears. Lord, why am I travelling through this place right now? Why are you doing this to me? Because he's dealing with the stuff in us, just like he did with the Israelites. And he wants to show up in glory and deliver us. He wants this two-sided transaction of glory to happen in our hearts and in our presence. Can I share a story with you? The president of the Bible college I went to was a great man of God, a man called Barry Chant. He'd been walking for 50 years or more. He was a great scholar. And in the preaching class, my pride rose up. You know, I'd, I felt that I'd done enough preaching, and I was a pretty good speaker. I'd been a Christian for five minutes, 
and I asked to be excused for half of the course. My pride. And he said to me, no, Bernie, I want you to stay just one more lecture. And I stayed, and he said to me, I love what you're doing, Bernie, but I need you to stick close to God's Word. I need you to bring people back to the Bible, back to God's Word. And then he released me. And that letter I read out at the beginning of the program was the fruit of that trial. I, I hated him for doing that. I was so angry with him at that time. You know, it's a, over a decade ago now. But he taught me something. He taught me under the authority of God's hand. He humbled me, and God used that. Now, it's never a lot of fun, but God disciplines those whom he loves. He leads us through trials. If you've got a Bible, open it to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 to 12. This is what it says. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. What child is there whom a parent doesn't discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not his children. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later, later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. In the middle of those trials, when God is ready, what comes next is God's glory. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just want to take a moment during the short break to share something truly important with you. This feeling that God is finished with us, that perhaps there isn't much of a future left for us. It's a feeling that we all experience at some point in our lives. But the truth is that he's far from done with us. The truth is that your best is yet to come. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called, not surprisingly, Your Best is yet to come. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you lay hold of the amazing future that God has ready and waiting for you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send that booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so please don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Well, we saw earlier in the program how it turns out. God shows up in a powerful way. God has deliberately led the Israelites into this place of trial and danger and fear. And he's uncovered their unbelief. He's uncovered the fact in them that even though they saw all these miracles happen through Moses, the plagues that came down on Egypt, their unbelief happens when they're confronted with the Egyptian army out there in the wilderness. But let's put ourselves back into Moses' shoes for a moment. Moses raises the staff above the water, the Red Sea parts, the Israelites pass through, the Egyptians chase them. I love the bit where it says, and, and the wheels fall off their chariots, so I think it's always a bit, bit funny, maybe I'm being unkind, but, you know, there are the Egyptians, and the water comes in on top of them, and God has shown up in this powerful way. We see his glory. But think about Moses for a minute. He was called from the back of the desert. He's taken on this amazing journey with Pharaoh. 
which must have been scary. I mean, could you imagine going to Pharaoh, who has the power of life and death over you, and saying, listen, I just, uh, I just saw God out in the desert, and, and God wants me to tell you to let his people go. And Pharaoh scoffs at that, and so through Moses and through Aaron, God sends the ten plagues on Egypt. Pharaoh does the most incredible thing, and they're out in the wilderness, and all of a sudden Pharaoh's heart is hardened by God, and the army comes after them, and God puts his presence between them to protect them. Then Moses sees God's people, who, whom God has rescued, turning against him and turning against God. How did that feel? And God shows up in this mighty way and, and lets them through the waters. And You're Moses. You're sitting down on the other side of the Red Sea. What's going through your mind? What's going on in your heart? You've just seen God's glory. Well, the whole of the next chapter of the book of Exodus, chapter 15, is the song of Moses and the people in response to what God did. Let's read just a bit of it. Moses and the Israelites sang this song in praise of the Lord. I sing praises to the Lord for his great victory. He has thrown the horses and their riders into the sea. The Lord is my strength, the reason for my song, because he saved me. I praise and honour the Lord. He is my God and the God of my ancestors. The Lord is his name and he is a warrior. He threw the chariots and the army of Egypt's king into the Red Sea and he drowned the best of the king's officers. What a great victory was yours as you defeated everyone who opposed you. Your fiery anger wiped them out as though they were straw. Our Lord, no other gods compare with you. Majestic and holy, fearsome and glorious, miracle worker, our Lord, your powerful arm kept them still as a rock until the people you rescued for your very own had marched by. You will let your people settle on your chosen mountain where you built your home and your temple. Oh Lord, you will rule forever. Moses is sitting on the other side of this, this amazing sequence of events and he's beholding God's glory. This two-sided transaction. Yes, God did powerful things. Yes, God saved his people. Yes, God parted the Red Sea and put it back together again. Yes, God worked in Pharaoh's heart, but he brought a joy and a delight and a wonder and a sense of praise and worship to Moses and his people because God's involved. He's here on the journey with us. He doesn't sit back in the air-conditioned comfort of heaven and say, well, you know, they're all on their own. God is on the journey. God does things. Now, if you know the story... This was just the beginning for Moses. Moses had a long road ahead, 40 years in this desert with a grumbling people, a people who complained and rebelled and dishonoured God, and on and on it went. And at the end, he himself never made it to the promised land. But you put it all together and you, you see God's glory in it. it. It may not have seemed obvious in the middle of the desert on each day, when it was dry, when it was hot, when the people were complaining and rebelling against his leadership. But you put it together and you see how God gloriously brought the people into the promised land. In fact, even in the midst of Israel's rebellion, now Moses was up on the mountain getting the commandments and down in the valley they were building an idol, a golden calf, and Moses comes down and the guy is devastated. Even in the middle of that, Moses says to God, Lord, Show me your glory. I've seen so much of your glory along the way. I want more. I want to see more. Our lives, your life, my life, 
are journeys over hill and dale. There are good days and there are bad days. All the way, God is on that journey. He knows, like with Moses, our best is yet to come. And here's the crunch. It's not about us. It's about his glory, about his goodness. It's about his purposes being realised. We all travel through the trials. We see his glory, him at work in our circumstances, in us, changing us, moulding us, getting us out of difficult situations. And it's in that glory that we experience our best, like Moses. And one day we'll stand in his glory for all eternity. No more sickness or tears or conflicts or pain. No more trials or tests or temptations, just his glory. Whether we're 8 or 80, whether, whether the sun's shining today or we're surrounded by an inky black darkness, he is in that place with us. He wants us to want more of his glory, more of him. And with all that I am, I believe that today he wants me to say this to you. Your best is yet to come. And your best comes in the midst of God's glory. Before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries around the world to realize that God has a powerful plan for their lives, that their best is yet to come. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's an amazing return on your investment. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely, online, by visiting our website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Your Best is Yet to Come. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.